Happy are the persecuted. You are the salt and light. Be happy in Jesus. It was called the Congress of Cults. In 1945, the communist regime in Romania gathered all of the Christian pastors and all of the different religious groups and brought all of them together with some 4,000 delegates so that at this Congress of Cults that every one of these religious leaders would swear their allegiance to the communist government. And religious leader after religious leader kept on appealing to the authority of the communist government and swearing their allegiance when a young pastor named Richard and his wife Sabina were there. Sabina looked at him and said, you need to wipe the shame of Jesus off of his face. And with that, Richard Vermbrandt, who would begin the magazine, The Voice of the Martyrs, write uh, books and share with us about Christianity throughout the world, stood before those delegates and declared that the Christian's highest calling was to glorify God and follow Jesus. Within three years... Richard Rembrandt was cast into prison. He was sentenced for eight years. Three years was absolute solitary confinement where he never saw anyone except a guard. He got out of prison and within a couple of years again, as he began to plant underground churches, was arrested. Refusing to bow to the allegiance of the government, he shared the message of Jesus with deep conviction, even though it cost. When he was arrested in 1959, he was given a 25-year sentence. Popularity of this message went across the world, how he was imprisoned through a general amnesty uh, situation. They were able to get him out of prison, some believers from Norway let him out of the country, and he escaped. Today, the voice of the martyrs uh, magazine and the website share about how persecuted Christians are, are acting and standing strong in their faith throughout the world. As we look and kind of come to the end of the Beatitudes, Jesus shows and tells the believers that he is speaking to, to those who are going to share and walk in this allegiant relationship to Jesus Christ. He challenges them that they need to be scripturally aware and spiritually prepared for persecution. And as he closes the Beatitudes, that's what he says. Take your Bibles with me this morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to pick up in verse number 10 together. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 10. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, 
for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And with that, let's pray together. God, thank you for uh, your word and for speaking and moving. And God, challenge us today to be people who are steadfast and sure and keep our eyes on Jesus even through persecution. In your name, amen. Jesus has just shared eight comments. They're called the Beatitudes. Many of them deal with an inward disposition and some of them move to an external manifestation. He has said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And then, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He begins that first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he closes this last beatitude, blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this around this theme of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is challenging us with an internal disposition, an external manifestation of living a characteristic life of following him. There are inward dispositions. We are to be poor in spirit. Recognize that in and of ourselves, we are spiritually broke. We can't do anything but trust Jesus in order to get to heaven. We have no spiritual riches to delve out and say, Lord, I can earn myself and Lord, I've done enough good here. He's saying it's just not there. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn an inward disposition and those that are meek and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart, inward disposition. Through the Beatitudes, he gives two that I think are external manifestations of how we're living. When our inward disposition is set, then there are two ways that we are to show ourselves that the Beatitudes show us. First off, he says, blessed are the merciful, so that we should be people who show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. We are to be people who are outwardly expressing mercy. And then blessed are the peacemakers, we are to be outwardly sharing the message of peace. That's the message of Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. So our life is this inward disposition and focus on who God is through these beatitudes and then to show mercy and to share Jesus. And then he basically says, when you take beatitude one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six plus seven, it's going to equal beatitude number eight. If you live the beatitudes, you need to understand scripturally and be prepared spiritually 
because persecution can come. Jesus, does, in his first sermon, does not lay out a message of, of just believe me and all of your problems will be over. All of your roads will be paved. Everyone will be happy around you. That you can declare anything to God and force him to give it to you. Instead, Jesus says, this is how I'm challenging you. And if you live this way, guess what's going to happen? The world may not stand and applaud, but instead, the very world that you're speaking to and living for me in front of may persecute. So let's think about Jesus' words on persecution so that we can be scripturally aware and spiritually prepared to heed and follow him through persecution in our life. First off, let's think and heed Jesus' perspective on persecution. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We have to understand that, that there is a reality here, reality here that Jesus is sharing. And that is the reality of those of us who follow Jesus are at some time in our life probably going to experience persecution. There is the reality of persecution that is around us and the reality of persecution that we will experience as we follow. So we heed Jesus' words and we recognize in our own heart and in our own life that as we follow Jesus long enough in front of the right people that persecution will be a reality in our life. Paul would write in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse number 12, a verse, I've never heard anybody share this as their favorite verse before. It says this, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I've never had anybody, you know, write that on their Bible or write this as their favorite verse or share this verse during testimony time. But the truth of the matter is, is Paul, as he lived for Jesus, experienced the persecution that came with the life. John, you remember John, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for the testimony of Jesus Christ, would write in 1 John three thirteen: Do not marvel that the world hates you. Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12 and following, don't be surprised by these fiery ordeals, these fiery trials and the suffering that you have to face. And in 1, Thessalonians, or 1 Peter 4, 13, he would challenge us and say, but rejoice, rejoice. Today across the world, they estimate that about 360 million believers live in areas where there is a high level of persecution. 360 million believers across the world who are living in a place where there is a high level of persecution. So for many of us who strolled in here this morning with our Bible and we felt very comfortable sitting in our Bible study class, you have to understand that there are many parts in the world that they could not gather, that they cannot gather publicly, and that they cannot come together in such a way as we're even worshiping now because of persecution. We look across the world and we see that there is a lot of Islamic oppression across areas of the Middle East. The worst of those countries right now is the country of Afghanistan where uh, Islamic terrorism and Islamic oppression, if they find out someone is a believer, then their life could almost uh, definitely be taken. There are other places in the world like North Korea 
And in North Korea, it's the, the government regime that is oppressive. So that the government doesn't want anyone to call on, on Christ and to share allegiance to Jesus. They want the highest allegiance to be toward the government. There are places like India, where in areas of India, they are trying to go back to a nationalistic religion and animism and Hinduism, and believers are being persecuted in these areas. So persecution will be a reality, and Jesus is saying, don't be surprised by this. And even if you're living good and doing right in my eyes, please understand, the world may hate you for it. Persecution will be a reality, but persecution will also come in varieties. Jesus says that we're blessed when we are persecuted. The word means to, to, to wish evil will on or to, 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 to harm, the, 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 to chase after. There is this picture in which persecution can come and it can come out of a sense of hostility. This is people harming other people. This is people killing people. So that recently I, I read of a, of six pastors in Nigeria that were killed and 27 Christians who were kidnapped as uh, folks came in and, and into a church house and just rounded people up. In the country of Vietnam right now, again, a a, a country where uh, Christianity can be very marginalized, they're making what they call Christian-free zones. And they're kicking Christians out of their homes and out of these areas where they have lived and telling them that they have to go somewhere else and live somewhere else and move somewhere else. This is real and it's going on around our world. When we look across the what is considered the 1040 window and the latitudinal lines across North Africa in the Middle East, we find in many of those countries it is very dangerous to be caught with a Bible, to be caught with other believers. We have a relative of a church member who can't even tell us where they are right now. And I have a card on the desk and it, that I pray for uh, this couple and they have two small children, but they can't even tell us where they are. We know that they are somewhere uh, across the Middle East, but to even share the country that they are in and to share their name could bring danger. Persecution can be hostile. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Even in our own country, we have seen it over the last few weeks. Since the overturn of Roe, we have found that acts of vandalism and threats of violence have been shared upon churches that have a pro-life stance. Some have, now their new mantra for some is, if abortion isn't safe, you're not safe either. There is a hostility in our world toward the things of God that we have to understand is real. But not only persecution can be hostile, but persecution can also be verbal. Notice what he says as we look down in verse number 11. You are blessed when they insult you, persecute you, and falsely say every kind of evil against you. The word uh, insult gives the picture of Casting their teeth into you. 
They grab a hold of you like a bulldog. And they say, oh, you're a follower of Jesus? Yeah, you, you must be one of those bigots, homophobes, transphobes that are in our world today that are, that are mean and oppressive. And yet, Jesus says, don't be surprised when they say all manners of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. For many of you, especially those of you going into school tomorrow, you're going to find that your biggest challenges are going to be the verbal, the insults. When you say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk in purity. I'm not going to uh, get into the alcohol, partying, doing drugs, smoking pot kind of stuff. And when you say you're not going to do that, then they come and, and there's the teasing and the jabbing and the insults that come with that. And let me just tell you, some of you in middle school, high school, college, there's peer pressure all the way through the rest of your life. It's in adulthood too. It doesn't end when you walk across that, that aisle for graduation and get your diploma. The, the picture is, is that there is a world that is moving viciously, violently, and verbally against the word of God and against the people of God. And Jesus said, you need to be scripturally aware and spiritually prepared. It's here. Notice how Jesus changes the tense in verse 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted, and then he turns it around and says, blessed are you. He brings this home very personally, and we could point out every person in the worship center today and say, it's just not blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, but what about you, and what about you, and what about you, when you won't bend on numbers at work, when you stick to being honest and living with integrity on a job? What about you when, when everyone else in the office is, is blabbing and gossiping or going out and carousing and talking about the things of the world? Where are you? So the challenge doesn't end. This is something that we will have the rest of our life. Be scripturally aware, spiritually prepared. Need to heed Jesus' perspective on persecution. But secondly, we need to heed Jesus' perspective about persecution. What does Jesus say about persecution right here back in verse number 10 and 11? Notice in verse number 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, don't you find it interesting? Blessed and persecuted are both used in the same sentence. Talking about the same person. Blessed are those who are persecuted. See, there are benefits to following Christ, and that is a blessing. Blessed are those. 
That we can have inner satisfaction and inner peace and this sense of purpose and joy in our life. This deep-rooted sense that I know my relationship with God is right. I know that my heart is at peace with the almighty creator of the universe. I am blessed. There are benefits of following Christ. But there are also costs. And the cost is persecution. And again, Jesus didn't give any invitation of just come and say a prayer and do what you want the rest of your life. Jesus, as he drew the line here, basically said, if you're going to follow me, understand persecution is going to follow you. Why is that? My son last week preached on how God is light and how he is holy. And he referenced the passage over in John chapter 3. And if you have your Bible quickly, you can slide over to John 3 just for a moment. We know verse 16, for God so loved the world. We know verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Verse 18, anyone who believes in him is not condemned. You don't believe, you're condemned already. But John three nineteen, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at the fact that we as believers are called to be light. And as we go out into the world and we have a biblical standard and a personal relationship with Jesus, understand that there are many out here in darkness who don't want to have anything to do with the light. And because they don't want to have anything to do with the light, they're not just going to run from it. Sometimes they're going to extinguish it or try to extinguish it. If you're the ambassador for the God who wrote this book and sent his son, there are some who killed the son and they'll take you out too. The cost of following Jesus. Hey, let's slide back to the opening verses in the book of Genesis. The opening chapters... Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. And what do we find? That God is the giver and creator of life. Stand for life. Expect persecution. God is not only the creator and giver of life, but Genesis 1.27 reminds us that God created us in his image. And that's where some people like to stop. But it goes on to say, male and female, he created them. Believe in male and female, biology and gender, expect to be persecuted. Genesis 2, we find the creation and the institution of marriage. One man, one woman. You believe that marriage was between a man and a woman only? Expect to be persecuted. Understand that in the culture in which we live, the foundation of what we stand on, Genesis 1 through 3, is untenable and unallowable to many in the world who want to believe and live their own 
way. Prepare. Jesus is telling you. Be prepared. For many of you who are students, especially those probably in that middle school age, some of our children are in Kid City, some of you here, understand that this is a far different world than the world that I grew up in. And it's a far different world than the grandmas and grandpas around here grew up in. So we have to understand and make sure that we are scripturally rooted and that we are spiritually prepared for the evil days ahead. We need to heed Jesus' perspective on persecution and heed Jesus' perspective about persecution. But then, thirdly, we need to heed Jesus' perspective of persecution. Notice again what Jesus says. That we're... Verse number 11, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they treated the prophets, or they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Be glad? Be glad? Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. This is the picture of Acts 16.25 right here. Where Paul and Silas have been arrested in the city of Philippi and they have been beaten and they are put in stocks and at midnight they are singing and praising. That's the picture. Be glad so that when we think of Jesus' perspective on persecution... And him telling us to be glad. You can't say no one's ever done that before. Even Hebrews reminds us that when Jesus went to the cross, it was because of the joy that was set before him. Can you face your cross with joy? Jesus did. Can you face your persecution with joy? Paul and Silas did. Rejoice and be glad. We rejoice, I think there's three reasons that we can rejoice. First off, we can rejoice because of the rewards. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great are your rewards in heaven. Now, for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says that once we've received him into our life, we are going to experience the presence of the Lord, and we are going to experience heaven when we die. No doubt about that. But passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15, reminds us, and I'm going to preach on this hopefully in the fall, that, that there is a judgment coming for believers. This is not a judgment of our, of our sins. That's already taken place on the cross once we've received Jesus. But there is a judgment in which we will receive rewards. And so he says, if, if you experience persecution in, in life, great are your rewards in heaven. I don't believe heaven is going to have, be this thing where everybody just gets a participation trophy. I think heaven's going to be a place where there are going to be some people who receive more rewards because they were faithful and lived out the life that God called them to. Some of them may have had a very short life, but they lived in obedience to the Lord. He says, rejoice because of your rewards. 
But secondly, we rejoice not only because of our rewards, but rejoice when we're persecuted because of the great company that we're in. He says, this is how they treated the prophets who were before you. When we think of Jeremiah who was despised by the king and told to be thrown into an old dry well. When we think of Isaiah and the persecution that he experienced. When we think of John the Baptist losing his head because he told the king he shouldn't have his brother's wife. When we think of Acts chapter 7 at the end where Stephen, as the stones fall upon him, he says, I see Jesus at the right hand of the Father. That's a pretty good company to be in. And you can see this line of men and women who have given their life for Jesus. Read the end of Hebrews, Hebrews eleven thirty five and following. We think of all the people who lived by faith, but Hebrews eleven thirty five talks about those who were tortured, those who were sawn in two, those that the, this world was not even worthy of. You're in good company when you experience persecution. A man named Eric Bridges a few years ago wrote a book on Southern Baptists who died on the mission field. And the book is called Lives Given, Not Taken. What a great name. Their lives were given to the Lord. We rejoice because of the rewards and because of the company. But we go back to the very first part of this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We rejoice because of the kingdom of heaven. That one day we're going to be in a place where there is no more sorrow and sickness. And there's no more persecution. And everyone in that place will be standing around the throne worshiping our precious Savior. And we will see the glory of God in a way we have never seen or imagined before. Max Lucado wrote a book called The Applause of Heaven. And as he closes the book, he kind of gives a little synopsis of returning home after being out of town and speaking engagements. And he uses that as a jump-off point to talk about that time when we enter our true home, heaven. And he says this, You'll be home soon. You may not have noticed it, but you are closer to home than ever before. Each moment is a step taken. Each breath is a page turned. Each day is a mile marked, a mountain climbed. You are closer to home than you've ever been. Before you know it, your appointed time will come. You'll descend the ramp and enter the city. You'll see the faces that are waiting for you. You'll hear your name spoken by those who love you. And maybe, just maybe, in the back... Behind the crowds, the one who would rather die for you than live without you will remove his nail-pierced hands 
from his robe and applaud. And I want to challenge you in a world that is filled with darkness, persist in the light. And when you get to heaven and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And honestly, I don't believe everyone will hear those words. But for those who walked with the Lord, hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant, will make any measure of suffering and persecution that we experienced on this life seem minimal to nothing to know Jesus said good job with that let's pray Lord thank you for uh, your word today and thank you for the truth in it and God I I pray that if there's a a man or a woman or a student today that just needs to be challenged with that fresh sense of boldness in their life. God, that you would energize them through the Spirit. Lord, if there's anyone here who's never made a personal commitment to Jesus, they don't know for certain if they died today, they'd go to heaven. I pray today that their eyes would be open to the truth of who you are, Lord Jesus, and that they would receive you, turn from their sin, turn to you, with all of their heart. In Jesus' name, amen.